Just remain standing here as I open God's word from Luke chapter 5. We read these words. The Bible says, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so, that, so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. May God add his blessing to that word. You can be seated. You know, I think one of my favorite memories growing up was the annual vacation we would take, believe it or not, to Michigan, Upper Peninsula, Michigan, where we would take a fishing trip along with my cousins, aunt and uncle, and we would have a time when we'd be in a rustic cabin along the seashore, or seashore, lakeshore there, uh, Lake Superior. Uh, any of you have a similar experience growing up where you had a family fishing trip or a, a, just a getaway? You guys, oh, okay, good. So. Just a little delayed response. Maybe the internet is not working quite as well and you just <laughs> took a while to get there. But, but, you know, it was great. It was a lot of fun as a kid. We, you know, we would get up early. We would be up at 5.30, 6 o'clock, be out on the lake as early as possible. We would fish for perch until about 10, 10.30, depending on how the, the fish were biting. We'd come back, we'd have breakfast, pancakes, and eat as much as we possibly could. Then we'd spend the rest of the afternoon. We might go fishing again, or a lot of times we'd swim all day, jump off the dock, inner tube fights, that kind of thing. Or, or play tennis or, or play board games, whatever it might be, but we'd have a grand time, eat dinner, and then that night, for sure, we'd head back out onto the boat and fish for Northern Pike, and we would eat and have fun and tell stories, and it was a great, great memory growing up. It was uh, you know, always a challenge. Who was going to get the biggest fish? Who would get the most fish? Those kinds of things. Well, I want to use that as kind of a launching pad for talking about Peter. Simon. The other disciples we talked about a few weeks ago as we were looking at it from the perspective of Jesus choosing them. And if you remember, I think I made a rather compelling case that when you think about those 12 disciples, they would not have been the kind of men you would have chosen to be the ones to change the world. There's no way, they were not the blue chippers to, by any degree. And of course, the point I was trying to make, the implication was, is that God can use anyone 
in his family. If we are willing, he can use anyone to make a difference. Peter, along with several other of the disciples, we know were just simple fishermen. And yet they received this incredible call from Christ to change the world. And I want you to notice that it was on this fishing trip, on one day, one day, Peter hears that call. Peter, again, is a rough, uneducated, blue-collar type. He has this habit of putting his foot in his mouth. Oftentimes, he just doesn't always say the right thing. In fact, you remember, he's rather unreliable. At the uh, moment when Jesus perhaps needed him the most, he denied Jesus three times. But we see a dramatic change in Peter as we get to know him because after the resurrection, after Pentecost and the infilling of the Holy Spirit, this unlikeliest of men become one of the most influential men in all of history. Jesus said, Simon Peter, to you I will give the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Peter would be the one who would preach the first gospel message after Pentecost, and 3,000 people heard that message and got saved in one day and were baptized. Later, Peter would be the one who helped convert Cornelius. Cornelius is the first Gentile who came to faith in Christ, and it opened up Christianity to the rest of the world. It's Peter who wrote two books in the New Testament. And what most believe to be the oldest gospel, the gospel of Mark, is a result of Peter. Mark was a protege, probably mentored by, probably heard all of Peter's sermons about Jesus' life and therefore wrote the gospel of Mark. It was then Peter who reminded us of these words, cast all your anxieties upon him and he will care for you. It was Peter who wrote, be self-controlled and alert your enemy, the devil, is prowling around like a, a, a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. It was Peter who at Caesarea Philippi, when Jesus asked this question, who do you say that I am? Peter responded with the great confession of our faith, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So it is here in this passage where we see Simon Peter hear that distinct call of Jesus on his life. Simon, I'm going to make you a fisher of men, or as the NIV states it here, a fisher of people. And the question I guess I want us to confront and ask this morning to everyone here who is a part of God's family is what put Peter in a position to hear that call? What put him in a position so that he could discern and discover clearly God's call on his life and therefore we could discover what is God's call for my life? Because listen to this. I believe with all my heart that everyone in this room has some type of ministry, is called to some type of ministry. If you're a Christian, you've got a contribution to make. You've got a call to fulfill. Now for some, it'll be a full-time call, and we bless those. But for many, it will be in, in maybe uh, volunteering, like in our children's ministry, as Adam alluded to this morning. But I suspect that there are people in this room who, if their hearts are ready, 
will hear a distinct call of God on their life to a new level of service. And you thought, this was just any other day. You didn't come expecting to hear that call. But God is about to do something in you. And God is about to say something to you. And I wonder this morning, are you willing and ready to say yes? On Monday morning, we had a uh, funeral service for Diane Marks. Diane was a member of our church for a number of years. She and her husband, Glenn, came to our church shortly after I became pastor here. They had two daughters who uh, are now all both serving in ministry in one way or another. Uh, Kelly was our church secretary for a number of years. They serve in a gospel, ministry, gospel music ministry, and now Eric and she, her husband, are uh, serving a, a, a church. Eric is pastor, and, and she is as a pastor's wife. And then Kim. Uh, Kim uh, hasn't been a, a part of our church for a long time, for several years, and it was so nice to just catch up with her. Well, a couple of days prior to the funeral, we sat down and talked, and she just couldn't help but gush and say this to me. She said, Pastor Jeff, I will never forget being in that sanctuary. I know exactly where I was sitting when you decided that you were preaching on Peter stepping out of the boat. She said, my heart was already beginning to develop an idea that maybe God was calling me into ministry. But I, I laughed at the idea. I had a good job. I was a postal worker. I had good benefits. I was close to my family. I had everything I wanted. The idea of going into full-time ministry was rather absurd to me. But when I heard that message, suddenly God began to work, and suddenly I realized that it was my time to say yes. That was my day, and after that service, or after your preaching, when the call was given, I came to that altar, and I said yes, and now she has served ever since. She's gone into ministry. She's in Sydney, Ohio, serving as a children's minister, a pastor there for a Nazarene church. And I think about the fact that one of the legacies of our church, it seems to me, is that she is just but one of many over the years in our church who have sensed a call to become fishers of men. I love that. I look at David and Ginger. David was a vice president not too long ago of a community school or college right here in, in Cuyahoga County. But God began to stir in his heart through our ministry. And he said, you know, God's calling me to full time. And we brought him on as our discipleship pastor. And here we are, ready to launch him out to Elyria in some way. And he's willing to go because of God's call. One day, something changed. And now he's a fisher of men. Let me ask you, how and to what is God calling you? How do we prepare for that call? I know it's there. I know it's coming. If you're a Christian this morning, I want you to be able to identify, I believe this is what God has called me to. And so as I look at this passage, one of the first things that strikes me in Luke 5 as I read it is as I thought about it, one of the great things about Peter in preparation for to receive that call is, is Peter is one of those guys who just kept hanging around Jesus. This is what I love. He just kept hanging around Jesus. He was doing something that put him in a position to hear the call. 
Yes, we see him. He's gone fishing, but notice where he is doing his work. Notice where he was fishing. Jesus is preaching by the seashore, and where is Peter? He's in his boat, listening. He's hanging around Jesus. And I just want to make this observation. Listen, when you start hanging around Jesus, you are going to end up hearing Jesus. And that makes me think, Listen, there is something. There is something about being in the right place at the right time that will prepare us for God's call when it comes. Listen, you are going to have a hard time ever hearing God's call if you are never in a place where you can hear him. If you spend all of your time playing computer games, watching Netflix, watching basketball, frittering away your time, never getting with Jesus, hanging with Jesus, it's probably never going to happen. I'm pretty sure that there are certain places and certain activities that if you are always doing those things, you'll never hear God. But this is what I love about Peter. He just kind of hangs around Jesus. And then there comes this moment when Jesus says, Peter, can I use your boat? And Peter says, why, sure. And Peter gets the call. You know, one of the best decisions, I guess, as I look back at my life as a young man that I think I ever made was one summer I decided in college, it was my sophomore year, to go on a spring mission trip to Jamaica. We uh, spent some time as a group, helped build a home for a blind man, and did some revival services in churches there. And it was a great experience as I look back because I realized it was on that trip that I became associated and got to know a man called Prof. Roy Lauder, who was a professor at the college that I was attending. It was out of that relationship that he eventually said, Jeff, I'd like you to come along with me and be my associate pastor at New Hope Community Church in southern Indiana. That was a church that was about two and a half hours from where we lived. Both Prof and I lived in Wilmore. For 30 years, he had pastored this church in southern Indiana. And he said, I'd like you to come along and be my associate, assistant. So for the next four years, I became his assistant, if you will, and I learned more about ministry, about preaching, about loving people genuinely in that four years than all the courses that I took. And I've taken a lot of courses over the years. But it was one of those cementing relationships that allowed me to do that. Now, this is my point. If I had decided to go on a spring break trip where, you know, you, you just hit the beach, I would have never had that experience of getting to know Prof and my life was changed. But I made it, now, the worst thing was not to have to go to Jamaica for a spring break. I've got to tell you, that was a good thing and I enjoyed it very much. But my point is, if you hang around Jesus, you will hear him and he will make his call clear to you. My point is this, if you want to be used in God's kingdom, and I hope that that is your heart this morning, some of you I know are new to our church and maybe you haven't got all this figured out about who we are, about even what Christianity looks like. I want you to hear this. Don't get discouraged. Just keep hanging around. You keep on coming Sunday morning. You 
Get involved in a Bible study or a growth group. You show up at the friends class. You come out to the breakfast that we enjoyed this morning. You know, in, in, uh, during Lent, on Wednesday nights, we're going to have some suppers, devotional suppers. We'll start, I, I don't know, maybe 6 or 6.30. I'll have to, to clarify the time. But we're just going to have some fellowship time where we're going to hear from God's Word and then just converse with one another. You hang around enough, and I guarantee you there will come a day, one day, when you will hear Jesus, and his call for you will become clear. I think it's rather interesting. The U.S. Department of Treasury, when they want to go after counterfeiters, when they're training people to go after those who counterfeit money, when they're training those people, they don't school them by studying all the fake counterfeits that are out there. You know how they school their people? You know how they train them? They have them study the genuine thing. They have them study and look at and know and smell and feel the genuine thing. The more they get acquainted with the truth, the easier it becomes to spot a fake. Listen, if you're just beginning, you're new to Christianity, or maybe you've just gotten stuck somewhere, Maybe you're feeling insecure about your relationship with God. I want to challenge you this morning. Just keep coming to church. Keep hanging out with Christian friends. Keep asking questions. Keep checking out that which is genuine, the truth. Keep reading your Bible. Keep praying. Take the next step. Get involved. Come to the guest reception, whatever it might be. And if you've been around for a while, You've been here forever, and you just, you know, maybe you're even comfortable. Get out of your comfort zone and invite someone over and get to know them and discover together what it is that God's calling you to do. Because I believe this is a new day at our new church. In a lot of ways, we are a new church, but we're going to need people as never before. And somewhere along the line, one day, it will happen, and you'll start saying, you know, this is my church. And this is my ministry. This is how God's called me to contribute. And you'll be doing exactly what God wants you to do. But it starts with hanging around Jesus. Are you with me? You hear what I'm saying? Okay, moving on. I need to go quickly here. Now, another thing that Peter shows us, I think, is a willingness to obey Jesus, even when it seems inconvenient. And might I just add a bit silly? Jesus has asked Peter to do something for him. Hey, uh, can I use your boat? Can I launch out here so I can preach from the, uh, uh, from the boat? But in fact, Jesus is going to do something for Peter. And that's always the case. God may call you to something, but he really wants to do something for you. And in verse 5, we have this reaction. Simon answered, Master, listen to Peter, we've worked hard all night, haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now, if I was Peter, Peter could have said, is this a joke? Jesus, you're a rabbi. You're a good teacher. I really like listening to you. But I'm the professional when it comes to fishermen. Look, here's my business card. Peter, Simon, uh, fisherman, go back to your books. I've been out here all night. I'm tired of this, to be quite frank. Let me do what I do, and you do what you do, and we'll just be fine. That's the attitude I would have had. 
But Peter obeys, even though he didn't fully understand the command. At that particular instant, he didn't realize that Jesus was the Messiah. He didn't know that he was standing in front of the one who had all authority in heaven on earth and over all creation. One of the things I've come to learn about ministry is, and you better be prepared for if you get serious about ministry is, is that God will often call you to do things that aren't convenient, that don't always make sense. A lot of people will look at you and say, you are wasting your time. You know, I, I, I feel this way with Illyria right now. Are you kidding me? I didn't need anything else to do. We are busy. We're figuring things out in our own community, in our own church. Lord, really? You're dropping this in our lap? Why would we do that? But before God calls us to significance, we have to have an attitude of obedience. We have to obey, even when it might go against what we want to do and what we feel like might be best. You know, when, when God says, wait till you get married to be sexually intimate, honor your parents, don't repay evil with evil, turn the other cheek, give, and it will be given to you. When you're seeking God's call on your life, you need to begin, my friends, by obeying in the little things. If, you, if Jesus tells an experienced fisherman to cast his net on the other side of the boat, you've got to do it. Throughout the Gospels, there is this consistent theme that Jesus drives home again and again. He who is faithful in little things will be faithful in much. Let me ask you, are you living in obedience to what you know to be true, what God has called you to? By doing that, you're preparing your heart for God's call. Now, there's something else I notice about Peter, which says, I think, something about the preparation for this call, and that is this. It's his humility. The fish suddenly are being hauled in by the bushel. Man alive, it's payday, the lottery, all this is happening to him. He's finally struck it, and the boat begins to sink. And Peter could have turned around and acted like, well, you know, I am pretty good at this. I am a professional. I knew this was going to happen. He could have gone in that direction. He could have been excited about the big payday that was ahead for him. But look at verse 8. What was his reaction? When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. That moment, as Peter realizes what is happening and gets a picture of what this means, he drops to his knees. He knew that he didn't deserve to be in the presence of God. You know what? You know the only people who ever do actually experience the presence of God are those who know they don't deserve to be there. Peter has this amazing self-awareness in that moment. Lord, you're too much. I can't do this. I shouldn't be here. He's afraid, and rightly so. But then I think about it, and then I realize that that is the only type of person God ever uses. 
Not perfect people. Peter was not that. We would all be disqualified if that was the case. God uses humble people who rightly see themselves and rightly know who they are. Listen, God doesn't need you. But by his grace, he wants to call you in spite of your sin. Now, the key to humility is to do what Peter does. Admit it. Admit you are sinful. You know, sometimes people get this impression because I have the title pastor and I get up here and I talk about God uh, that I have it all together. Listen, you have one conversation with my wife and she will tell you differently. Let me assure you, nothing could be further from the truth, as a matter of fact. In fact, the reality is that the more I speak about God, the more I study, the more I get into his word, the more he reveals some of those edges that he's still working on me and still wants to change and still wants to deal with. And sometimes it's overwhelming. I said, I think, Lord, how can you use me? And I hope he does. But I know if he can use someone like me, my goodness, he can use someone like you because that's the way he is. That's who he is. He calls people who want to be more like him. So how do we prepare for that calling? We hang around Jesus. We obey Jesus, even in the little things. We humble ourselves and really see who we are. And can I say this? And this is a hard one. We must be willing to follow him wherever he leads. I want you to see in this story, this goes beyond inconvenience. Jesus didn't just say, hey, let's stay a little longer, cast your net over the other side of the boat and see what happens. No. Much more is involved here. Much more is at stake. Peter does that, of course, but deep down, he has to come to a decision, doesn't he? God, you've shown me what you can do, and now you're calling me to leave it? Lord, I just thought I hit it rich. I just thought this was the greatest thing that's ever happened to me, and now you're calling me to walk away from it? Man, the, the fish, I didn't know this was possible, but now you're calling me to leave my nets and leave my boat? When I was growing up, we used to sing an old hymn from time to time. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. I'll go with him, with him all the way. When Simon Peter made his commitment to follow Christ. He didn't know what all that meant. He didn't know where it would go. All Simon Peter could figure, the fish are nice, the nets are great, but I want to be with him. I want to be with Jesus. And that cost him everything. Verse 11 says, so they pulled their boats up to the shore. They left everything and followed him.
Can I, can I ask you this morning, what, what are you holding on to that's keeping you from following Jesus with everything you are? That, that's a tough question. It's not one we really want to answer. But Peter here abandons the nets immediately and he follows Jesus. That's no small decision. Peter had a family. He had a wife. For the next three years, he would be following this itinerant preacher who had no place to sleep, no home, no riches to speak of, except for a promise of a heavenly kingdom. If Jesus calls you to a great task, are you willing to abandon everything to follow him? That's what Jesus calls all of us to do. And of course, here's our problem with that. But pastor, I have these nets. We have these entanglements, don't we? we? We are attached to our stuff. We're attached to our, our, our locale. We're attached to our relationships. We're attached to our habits. We're attached to our addictions. But listen, Jesus doesn't pull any punches with his disciples. Luke chapter 9, Jesus says this, He said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loves their life for me will save it. Do, do you notice what Jesus is saying here? He says, you follow me. It's not, I'm not promising you peaches and cream. It's not going to be sweet and glorious. It's not going to be easy. He promises his followers one thing, a cross. And by the way, when he says that word cross, in their mind, they're not thinking of something beautiful dangling on someone's neck. They're not thinking of a stained glass window and all its beauty. The cross is a symbol of death and agony, terrifying and ugly. You follow me, Jesus says, and it will cost you something. He tells us up front. And Peter knew that. And he followed him. Now there's one final thing that I want to note here, and it really is more found in verse 12. Peter is called, they're following Jesus, and look where they go. It says, while Jesus is in one of the towns, you just have to listen, it's not on the screen. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, I want to use that to make this point. The final way we hear God's call is simply to be aware, to look for the opportunities that are around us. Years ago, there was a woman who locked her keys in her car along a busy downtown sidewalk. Well, she didn't know what to do, but she went inside a clothing store and told the clerk what had happened. He uh, didn't really act like he cared very much, but he did go back and he got her a, a hanger, a metal hanger, and gave it to her. He didn't explain anything beyond that, and so she was kind of left to her own devices. Frustrated and not knowing exactly what to do with the hanger, she went outside and she just stood by her car. She began to pray. Lord, Lord, help me. 
Well, uh, suddenly a, a young man began to, to drop one by and he came down the sidewalk and he noticed that there was some trouble. He politely offered to help. Well, sure enough, he quickly fashioned that hanger into a hook and he slipped it deep inside the window and found the latch and was suddenly able to open the door. Well, this woman was just ecstatic. She said, you're such a good person. You must be a Christian. He said, no, ma'am, I'm not a Christian and I'm not really a good person. In fact, I just got out of prison for auto theft. Well, the woman threw her arms around him and said, praise the Lord, he sent me a professional. <laughs> How much more should we as Christians see those things and people in need around us? Simon Peter wrote, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, there must be something wrong with those Christians. My goodness, what do they believe? But here they cannot dispute that they may see your good works and glorify God on the day he visits us. One of the ways you recognize God's call on your life, open your eyes to those around you. Philip Yancey wrote, Taking God's assignment seriously means that I must learn to look at the world upside down as Jesus did. Instead of seeking out people who stoke my ego, I find those who stoke, whose egos need stoking or stroking. Instead of seeking important people with the resources who can do me favors, I found people with few resources. Instead of the strong, I look for the weak. Instead of the healthy, I seek out the sick. Is that not how God reconciles the world to himself? You know, God's gifts are best used in the visible world when we give them away in serving those who have less. You know, there are opportunities all around us. There are small calls of God every day if we're willing to see them. I love the story, I've shared it before, of a man named Father Damien. He was called by God to go to a leper colony in the Hawaiian Islands. Some of you are, probably heard his story. But what I love about that story is he just fell in love with these lepers and would do anything and everything he could to minister to their needs. In fact, every Sunday he'd get up in their pulpit and he would proclaim, God loves you lepers. And then one Sunday, he got up in the pulpit and said, God loves us lepers. He had a cross to bear. He gave his life away. But that testimony has inspired more pastors than I know. This morning, I want to remind you that this passage in Luke 5 begins with these words, one day. Probably just like any other day, Peter was going fishing. That's what he did. One day, he went out fishing. One day, he was hanging around Jesus, listening in on to what Jesus was teaching, what Jesus was doing. One day, Jesus asked him to take his boat out onto the shore, off of the shore. One day, 
Jesus did a miracle. One day he received the call of God. One day his life changed and the world changed too because he said yes one day to God's call. One day Kim Marks was in this sanctuary and she came down that aisle and she said yes to God's call. One day David Hubler heard the call and he said yes and now he's been going to Elyria to help us establish a ministry there. What was your day? Could it be that this is that day? Where you're, maybe, maybe you don't know what it looks like. Maybe you don't know what it means, but you want to have an attitude that says, Lord, this day, I'm yours. I leave the nets. I leave the boat. I'm yours. Do you have that attitude this morning? Because I suspect that if we have that attitude in this church, if this church is filled with people who say, yes, I'll leave it all to follow him. I want to be with him. I want to be fishing for what he's fishing for. The world will change. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that on this day, you're still in the business of calling people to yourself. And I pray that, Lord, we would have an attitude of surrender, and willingness to say yes to your call. Lord, I pray, I pray that you will call out people definitively toward ministry. Some of those may be called to full-time ministry, and I bless them and pray for them right now. And Lord, I pray that they will just be inspired by your spirit to say yes, because they want to be with you. I pray for those, Lord, who may be searching right now and may be wondering, Lord, what is that call that you have for me? Open their eyes. May they be obedient in the small things. May they keep hanging around you. Lord, make that call clear. But in the meantime, Lord, our attitude is, use me, I'm yours, wholeheartedly surrendered to you. And Lord, if you do that in our church, oh God, how the earth will shake with your glory. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we close, we're going to stand and sing. I just want to remind you that Jesus was not afraid of calling people and calling them to do difficult things. And so this morning, I just want to say, if you sense a call, and you don't know what that looks like, you don't even maybe know what it means right now, but you want to have an attitude that says, yes, I'm yours, would you be willing to come to this altar, fall on your knees, or stand or whatever is comfortable, but say, Lord, I'm yours. I want to make that clear. And I'm willing to step out and step out to say yes to your kingdom's work. As we stand and sing together, the altar is open. You come if you need to.